the idea of when you speak, you can either push people away from you or bring them in. And you can do that not only by the words you say. Obviously, if you're the content is dismissive and you're saying, please, could you stand away from me? You smell like a skunk. So then the tone of voice is less relevant. But even just presenting something which is welcoming, why don't you come closer when you say it with that tone of voice? Doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't, it's not integrated. It's almost as if your tone is saying go away, even if your content, content is something, saying come closer. So what the Rambam says is you have to speak, which he calls dibur benachas. You have to speak in a way which is restful, soft, encouraging. And then when you, when you, when you change the texture and the, and the volume of your voice, it becomes inviting for a person to connect. And when the Rambam then goes on to the next stage of how to use your words, being that perhaps our most creative component that we possess is our ability to speak. When he goes into the next stage, he focuses on the timing of your greeting. And when you're approaching a person, so then do you wait for the person to greet you and then you respond, or do you initiate the greeting? And the Rambam says as a next stage of he goes moving away from texture and volume and the manner in which you actually utilize the power of your words. He goes on to the awareness of the people around you and you should be the initiator of the greeting. And the reason why he says you should do that, he, he summarizes the reason, so that people should be comfortable with you. Now, once he says that, you see that both points of the Rambam actually are the, are the same theme, that He's looking upon the idea of words as the connective tissue that binds people together. And therefore, since he look, he's looking at words as glue that sticks us together, you have to use them as glue. Because ironically, words are a double-edged sword. And you can use them as glue, but you can literally use them as a knife that splits and creates division and tears people apart. So since the thrust of the gift of speech is connection, through speaking, that's how you develop connection, intimacy, relationships, love. Let's figure out the most productive way of using our words connectively. Number one, you've got a range. You've got a volume dial, you've got a texture dial, you've got a tone dial, you've got a speed dial, you've got all these dials. Make sure that those are coherent with connectivity. And number two, when looking to initiate, be proactive. Because when a person is greeted, so he feels included, when a person is ignored and he has to greet, he feels excluded. So we're looking for inclusivity through the words we use, Sasha. Um, I wanted to ask, I, don't, I know this may be a little off topic, but does he, does he address the, I quote unquote, the audience that you're speaking to? Right now he seems to be talking about like the individual, but let's say Excellent. you're talking to your parents or uh, your, or your right. shit update. Or right. Your, you know, like you're talking, Good. you're talking to a child, like the texture right. in which you speak might be different. Excellent. So in other words, a different context and maybe a teaching, a teaching, um, for, for example, one of the things that we are playing around in our afternoon program was, what about passion? What about passion? 
when I'm passionate about something, it's very difficult to be passionate in this voice. Guys, I'm, I'm really passionate about people coming on time. I think you all should come on time. And that would be very different from if I said something like this. <laughs> the value of every second that we can share, understand, grow together is so precious. So precious. Every time, even a minute that's lost, I feel it. I feel it. So when, when I say it in that way, so it's a much more powerful presentation. And therefore, for conveying a message, one may have to turn up the passion dial in order for the message to get across. So it could be that's a different context. The, the Rambam, what I believe he's talking about is that's what I'm saying. He's talking about what is the fundamental property of speech. It's connectivity. So he spoke, he's speaking deliberately in that regard to that. Soft, inviting, inclusive, initiating. When you see a person come, be the, be the one that initiates the greeting. Have a maktim shalom l'chul adam. You go to him. And that has a, um, it has a, corollary, a corollary to it. Corollary that um, you start to become perceptive of the people around you. So you become engaged. And obviously connectivity in the human sense means stepping out of my selfish shell. Because as long as I'm bound by the selfish shell that surrounds me, so then I'm fundamentally disconnected. So imagine if like when I'm in a social situation and I'm looking for people to greet. Well, that means I'm looking outside of myself as opposed to I'm looking to be greeted by people Then I'm inside of myself. So I'm trying to I'm trying to break that break that the invisible barrier and stretch out, and that becomes totally coherent with with the whole nature of the direction that Debra is going. Jakey, is Debra the highest level? First of all, really like to thank you for coming to. <laughs> it's lovely to have your guest appearance. Mm, um, go on. Is connectivity is Debra the highest level of connectivity? That that's a good question. Highest level, I don't know, but look at this. There's, there's a few times that Debra is used specifically as, as, as a connective. It's even used as a euphemism for physical relations between husband and wife. In the Gemara, in the Mishnah, in Ksubis, it says, She was speaking with him, but it already means that they were being together physically. But it uses the word speaking because... If you think about it, it actually goes even. If you th- we can even there's an even greater overlap than we may think between physical intimacy and speech, because in physical intimacy, there's the male and the female in that act of reproduction, where the f- male plants a seed which fertilizes an egg, which is then nurtured in the womb and ultimately is given birth to. The idea of speech, in in a certain way, is very often an impregnation. The speaker impregnates within the uh, within the mind of the listener, fertilizes an egg of understanding, and as the listener nurtures and works with, develops and understands that idea, ultimately he or she will give birth. To that idea, so it's, it's like it's not only random; it's a connection which has an intimate component to it, whereby through this connection, new stuff comes into the world. 
And now I want to go, perhaps, I don't know how far we can go with that analogy, but we could perhaps go further. It could be sometimes in, the, in, in that interactive listener-speaker dynamic, it could be that the listener may be the one that has the capacity to realize the idea, and maybe the speaker didn't. Just like the man has the ability to give the seed, but perhaps not the idea to give birth to the child. So it could be that there could be dynamics where the actual the roles are also differentiated that way. I don't know. That's something to just I'm opening up an avenue of exploration. Uh, how about Jakey? Why not another question from you? Um, Making you, your presence felt, utilizing your one-off I'm appearance. Yeah. yeah. Um, Give another showroom where. Obviously, um, not any that you remember, but go on. <laughs> where, where you talk about how, even if I were to say something with my words, how, I, how you interpret that is, could be fundamentally different yes. to how I say it, yes. to what I mean. Yes. So, seemingly, this. this like so now let, 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 okay, actually, Good. I don't want to go into it, but let's, let's, just, let's just, as a segue, just briefly. So now we understand that listening is not the easiest thing in the world. Because listening in this, in this analogy, listening is a pure act of receiving. Now, if I listen with a filter and a bias, it actually is an aberration of what listening is. So say, for example, I say something to you, but you've already got your preconceived notions and you misconstrue the what I've said into a paradigm that you feel comfortable with. So then actually the words that I said never got to you. I said words, and then you took those words and distorted them to fit into your preconceived idea. That's always going to happen, though, because that I naturally have preconceived ideas. That's not always going to happen. That's not always going to happen. And now you start to understand exactly that the true act of listening presupposes a surrender of preconceived notions in regard to what I'm about to hear and an absolute openness just to hear it. For example, for example, okay, for example, this is how it works on a on a detailed level. We've done this before, but we can do it again. Hi, Jakey, how are you doing? I'm doing how's, uh, how's your day going? Um, I am very tired. You're very tired. Okay, so now look. So now what's going to happen is, how do I receive the words, I'm very tired? There's multiple ways that I can understand those words. And if I'm not thinking and not aware and I'm not listening, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to borrow from my... Um, lexicon of tired emotions and I'm going to copy and paste it to your words. So for me, tired means that I feel a certain lethargy and I can't actually think coherently. So I say, oh, poor Jakey, he feels lethargic and he can't think coherently. What does tired mean for you when you say I'm very tired? When you say tired, you mean that you feel a pressure on your eyelids, perhaps, that they keep on wanting to close, and you have to fight back. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so now, now I've, I've honed down to what you mean by that, which, which was not my preconceived notion, and I've heard what you've had to say. You didn't hear that, that's what I'm saying, is that, is that when I said I'm very tired, you used the only functions that you have available. Yes. And we had a completely different understanding. But by the way, so just, I just, just, saw one thing, one thing, stop, 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 stop. Judging by your hand movements, the enthusiasm, I believe you're lying. This does not display some kind of tiredness. It doesn't feel like you're fighting back sleep. It feels like you're engaged. So first of all, you're lying, okay? <laughs> um, I agree with you that at first instant, when people are using generic expressions, you have no choice but to have some association with them. And that's why true listening 
by its very nature, would require a questioning process. And then a, then a follow-up, and then a follow-up, until you can really get the closest you can to the person's idea. Yes. But it's a trick. You're right. It's a trick. Like, good. Riga, a question from you, if I may. Just going, just going real quick back on the, the Lushan of the Gemara, when it says that the wife was talking to the husband. Yeah, We're talking about Mishnah. Impregnation, shouldn't it be that the husband was talking to the wife? Um, why does it why does it make the subject of the sentence that she was speaking to him? Yeah. Why doesn't it say he was speaking to her? Yeah. That's a great question. That's a great question. Should we uh, slaughter it or should we let it live a little bit? Should we uh? Gabe, do you want to make sure that you make those noises more regularly? It's been like three minutes since you've made one of those awful disturbing noises. I'm just, just wondering. <laughs> Okay, uh, Sasha, you've, that's your last. You have a quote to you realize. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, I, so you brought up the idea, I know this is more on the segue, but you brought up the idea of there's a difference between the speaking that someone has and what a person says, which would be more related to what you're saying, which is like accurately trying to portray what you're saying as opposed to the... Ex, the person that you're speaking to, are they accepting that information in an objective way or, to, or, or are they filtering it or they're coming in with their preconceived notions and they're right. not actually accepting the information? Right. Um, the question is, what quote-unquote influence do you have as a speaker to make sure that you get your message across? And is there a point where when you're speaking with someone that – you maybe you quote-unquote recognize that the information is not getting through and that you can have to change it to make it more effective, or is there a point where you should just say, this person's not listening to me, I just need to leave? Right. Great question. So in other words, very often, you're really speaking about, <clears throat> we have to speak about this more, about content, that if I want to communicate my idea in an unambiguous fashion, I have to be extremely scrupulous as to the words I choose to phrase it. Because if I leave room for ambiguity, so then everyone may take their own perspective and they could be misconstrued. But even in, without content, even the other part, which is, you know, maybe I spoke very quickly or I yes. spoke in a way that was... In, or, so in other words, you have to take into consideration when communicating a message, how you're using the entire palette of your speaking skills, and also in terms of the words that you choose, they, they should be the precise words needed to convey, convey that particular idea. And if you err in either of those two situations, so then you're fudging up your message. For example, were I to say there are people in the share that attend, attend occasionally, they would be ambiguous, we didn't know who we were referring to, we'd have to like hone it down. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Lovely. Um, how are your eyelids feeling? More time. More, more time. <laughs> more time. Okay. Good. Excellent. Okay. So, so good. So that's back to speech. Back to speech. And now the Rambam continues. And so he just said that if you should initiate the greeting, which we said is this, this inclusivity that you want to use your words as a connective medium to bring people together. And now the next thing, and it seems so incongruous, because who's talking about this? He's speaking about how to speak. The category that he's discussing is a wise man. 
Many things he does. He has to integrate his spiritual wisdom into his behavioral patterns. Otherwise, he's like a head without a body. It has to land in his life. Integration. So when speaking, this is the way you should speak. Not too loud, not too soft, in a way that's inclusive. Should initiate greetings. And now he speaks about the next point in speech. And what does he say when he says how you should speak? This is the next point. The dan is called Adam the Kafskus. And you should judge people favorably. <laughs> Who mentioned judging favorably? We're talking about how you speak. So, but respectfully, I would start to suggest that speech is also a consequence of a paradigm with which I perceive the other. Now, if I look at you in a negative fashion, so then I undermine my capacity to use speech as connective. I may be able to like somehow like blurt out some hello, but I'm not going to really bond. So in order for me to actually be faithful to this process of using speech as a connective agent, I also have to be conscious of the desire to connect you. But what happens if I look at you and I think, creep. Mm-hmm. Jerk. It's going to be very hard to like want to connect to you. I don't want to. I don't want to connect to you. Smelly gutter rat. I don't want to do that. So there. That's all I have to do. So now I have to initiate a perspective changer, and I have to look for good points in you that I'll be able to connect to. Done. Done. For done. Es the and I have to figure out components of who you are that are favorable. So in other words, that's only going to be necessary when at a simple base level presentation, I find you disturbing and I don't want to connect you. And then I have to override the initial disturbing point to discover within you the hidden treasure that is you as a person. So for example, for example, um, you meet a person or you, you, you're walking towards a person and look, just, look, just look at the amount of, of internal work that's required here. You're walking towards a person and I know that there are people that when I see them walking towards me, I suddenly have to do something very urgent, like tie a ready tie shoelace. Like randomly like walk off in a different direction with purpose and direction. You know, you're walking this way and then the person that you don't want to say hello to starts coming within possible greeting range and you go, and then do the bar turn and head off in the opposite direction. So, so now it, it requires whoa, it requires big, big, big muscles to to start think. Okay, one second. I know that previously I already held animosity towards this person. Let me let me try shift that. Let me try shift that perspective. What can I see about the person? How how do I see him differently? Um, and before I continue, I'm just going to be interrupted by one. Daniel Lewis, who's who's wearing an unrestricted um, old khaki shirt, just to make it real. Do you feel like it's, you, there's this there's this onus then to talk to everyone, and there's a there's a chance that you'll just get pulled into conversations all day, or when you want to do something totally 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 different? Are you, are you then? Are you expressing perhaps a part of yourself that has focus? and often finds that having people around you just gets in the way. 
And quite frankly, you don't want to go around greeting people because it will make you less productive in your XI right. world. So let's say you're sitting at your desk, right? Sitting at your desk, and like you've got, you've got like, you know, you've got something you have to finish off, and then you notice out of the corner of your eye, worker coming within greeting distance, and you think to myself, "Ooh, distraction, less product, less productivity." Deadlines. The last thing I need to do is start greeting this person. Better focus on the computer screen and just pretend that and get intense focus. And now the conjurer is saying, he's coming closer. I can't see him. He's coming closer. I can't see him. He could be greeted. I'm not going to greet him. Great question. Um, in fact, and this is actually quite quite fascinating. The, the one of the best places to like explore this idea within the spiritual context is what happens when you're praying. And someone walks into the room. Can you stop praying to say, Shabbos? If it's Shabbos. If it's not Shabbos, you shouldn't do that. Um, should you say, Hey! Bro! Or, as they say when you're in... Where are you from? L.A. Sap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so this is like, it's actually, it's actually like, the Gemara talks about when you should and shouldn't greet. But you see, that's exactly the point. So it says, well, if you're in the first part of the morning service between Baruch She'omar and Yishtabach, and someone walks in, so then you can interrupt. And for, in other words, there are points, and even though I'm focused, this actually is a priority. Depends who it is, depends when it is. But it's a priority, in other words, and from a spiritual perspective, you know, prayer is the ultimate focus. That's like, that's when you mean to be like, Simply like, in it, in it. So, for example, in the silent prayer, in the Shemana Yisrael, no interruptions. No interruptions, to the degree that even there's a king, who the person is the, the ultimate person that should be greeted, stand stationary and you don't. You're, you're somewhere else right now. But in the middle of Shema, before Shema, different... So, so therefore, when you when you kind of bring that back to work, there's another component. There's your focus, but there's also your integrity, because as a worker, it depends on the way your contract's drawn up. But as a worker, it could be that you betray your employer's faith in you to do the job by then deviating and having your 20 minute coffee schmooze. So it could be there's other factors that then would play a role. In other words, your speech should then maybe be taken away from others and what you do and how you balance it all out. So yes, I acknowledge that as a as a very important thing to explore. But then there would be just like when I'm doing something which is really not compelling and I just feel I, I just can't be bothered, which is legitimate because, you know, we have to grow. But in the ultimate sense, like I should be bothered. Or maybe you should be bothered. Sorry. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. That's all good. It's actually a question about previous weeks, things that I might have missed. So yeah, exactly. Let's keep on. Yeah, yeah. I think we should. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good. How are you feeling, Tommy? Bored? No. Tired? Very. very tired. When you say very tired, what do you mean by that? <laughs> It's like you feel both lethargic, your thoughts aren't coherent, and you have a heavy pressure pushing your eyelids down. 
Sounds awful. <laughs> what are you doing here? What are you here? Yeah, like, I mean, why don't you just, like, go have a rest then? Not the same as the recording. Oh, uh, the recording you feel like it doesn't have the same energy packed into it. Exactly. Um, so, like, is there anything that we can do to somehow alleviate that, that lethargy? Well, I've been able to stay awake and concentrate most of the class. I think you've already done something. Really? Yeah. Do you think, theoretically, where you should, like, stand on your chair and, like, jump up and down, that that could somehow assist in dispelling some of that? Mm-hmm. You think that could work? <laughs> Probably would, yeah. Yeah, should we try it? I'm not, I mean, you don't have to. But, like, even if you, like, you rolled your shoulders and, like, took a deep breath and went... <sighs> right. Do you think that would work? Oh, maybe. Hey? Why would you, like, you clap your hands? And you went, ho, ho, ho! <laughs> like, but harder. Like, but harder. Yeah! Okay, how are you feeling? <laughs> so when you say a bit stupid, what do you mean? Okay, great. Lovely. Lovely, lovely. Let's go on. So the Ramam says down the cups course, which means that as you engage the purple and you, people and you're trying, and we're trying to build this world of connective speech, connective speech, connective speech. And of course, there's going to be a point where we're going to speak about the content. And obviously, when we're so focused on the, the manner and the, the tone and the volume of our speech and the initiation of greetings and looking at people in, in a given way in order to bring them closer and push them away. So then when you start to think about the amount of emphasis placed on this connectivity, so then you start to get a sense of how maligning people and gossiping is so antithetical to the whole direction of what kind of speech we're trying to to do because literally through a casual comment from you to someone else when it's not in front of that person you can create a um, absolute rift and the perceptive change which is unhealthy let's see what happens next in the Rambam Mesaper <laughs> he goes on and he says judge him favorably speak about their good points and do not degrade them at all. So it seems like it's, it's, it's sequential, that you have to see people in a given light, and then you have to articulate who those people are with a given emphasis. So imagine if the only words which ever came out of my mouth were complimentary and not derogatory. What kind of... Imagine... That, that would be interesting. Imagine if every single one of us only spoke in a positive fashion about all the people, that nothing came out of our mouths but that level of, um, how cool would that be? I think that would be almost like a different reality. So, so that's 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 interesting. Um, I think I think it's a good place to stop. Um, I want you to thank you all for coming. I realize it's a choice. It's a choice that some people use more often than others, actually. And um, see you tomorrow.